the only way I'm going to progress is through failure. I'm going to get out there, put myself out there, fail a little bit, learn from that, just treat it like an experiment and just keep be deliberately moving forward. Mm -hmm. Define who you want to be, decide who, what that vision of yourself, you know, and that you believe God has put on your heart. What are the things you're supposed to accomplish and do in this world? And, uh, and then get focused and get busy. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Okay, today on the Kindling Fire, I'm so excited to have Mike Yarbrough on the show. Thanks for joining, Mike. Yeah, man, I'm so glad to be here. It's an honor. Uh, as, uh, as we were saying before, I'm impressed by the the bow and the stuff like that behind you. I like I like a good backdrop, and that's pretty cool. So I <laughs> thank you, man. I I uh, I'm rediscovering my Indian roots, and so actually, you might know I'm a part of the Lumbee Indian tribe, and that's a a North Carolina tribe. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, so I've got, I've got deep roots in North Carolina, literally. So have you, uh, have you done anything like in the, uh, like, you know, to kind of go and see like where they were and, and different stuff like that, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I have. And so most of them is in Robinson County and, um, and it's just been a, a fun discovery. All of my kids are joining the tribe now, uh, actually huh. like within a month or so. And, uh, and so I'm very excited as, as COVID kind of lifts off to getting more involved in that, the, the powwows and there's just a lot to explore there. Wow. Um, yeah, that's actually another wonderful, <laughs> uh, that's a side topic, but I will say this is that there is a lot of riches in native American traditions and in helping men initiate into masculinity. Yeah. And that's part of what I've been exploring with uh, Hochoka Men, which is something I do to help out young men. So it's it's yeah. a fascinating topic for sure. No, I think that's awesome. I, I grew up in uh, right on the Hatchie River in Tennessee, yeah. and um, a little town called well, the town's called Hatchie after the river. Apparently, Hatchie means river in some Native American tongues. I don't I don't really know. So it's kind of the river river. But anyhow, I grew up there, and all my life, I I, I thought as a boy, this is the eighties. I thought. Indians must have lived here because it's just the kind of area they would have lived. But I didn't have like any, um, there was no internet. I couldn't really look it up. I just had to kind of guess and people told stories. Well, the cool thing is, is that my, my grandparents have lived there. Their, their, um, their parents lived there for a while and the land has been farmed for so long. And now that same soil that's been tilled for the last probably 60 plus years, now arrowheads and stuff are starting to come to the top. And I was wow. there just a few weeks ago and I saw one, just a nice red rock arrowhead, just right on the top of a little mound there that had been tilled up. Rain had washed it clean and it just was right there like it was meant for me. And so it was really cool, man. I love I love all of that stuff. I love uh, history and I love hearing about how, how the old tribes, how they got things done. And yeah. uh, it's just, yeah, I, I get excited about that. And I have a little bit of Indian in my blood as well. Not enough to make a big deal out of, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, there is that uh, they were very intentional about how the young how they integrated young men into becoming men that would benefit the tribe. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, and the more I discovered it, the more fascinating it is. So uh, but yeah, 
Well, well, great. I'm glad we have a mutual interest. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. have to have that conversation now. I know. It's just a whole other topic. Now. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, so uh, guys, you might know about Mark Yarbrough with Wolf and Iron. So he founded Wolf and Iron, and it's an amazing uh, community for men, uh, notably with the podcast, but it's also a, a larger community. And he's also uh, a founder of Rustic in Maine, and I'll, I'll have you explain what you do there. Uh, you've got a real passion for entrepreneurs. You've got a real passion yeah. for stories. You're a great storyteller, which is good Southern traditional storyteller. That's right. <laughs> and uh, and you, you love help to help men kind of heed the high calling of masculine living. Uh, and we're both North Carolinians. So you live in Charlotte and I live in Raleigh and we both have a wife and kids. You have two sons and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just so glad. Maybe you could fill in some of the gaps there for us. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I definitely have a passion for entrepreneurship. Uh, we own two businesses, Wolf and Iron, and then uh, Rustic in Maine, which is, it got started about five years ago. We actually make wedding rings out of historic woods. And so it's kind of a unique uh, niche. Um, not just historic woods, like old battleships, and we use whiskey barrels and things like that, and old rifle stocks. We, we always try to tell a story with the rings that we're creating. Mm -hmm. But we also have people just send in stuff, which is really touching. Like people will send in stuff from grandpa's barn or the old tree that they that was on the property when they grew up or something along those sand from the beach where they met their you know spouse you know all kinds of stuff and uh, we incorporate those things into a ring that tells a story that kind of gets back to the whole thing of yeah it's entrepreneurship but it's also just trying to connect people with something deeper something richer almost kind of how we started this conversation out it's just finding things that ground us that give us deeper meaning in mm -hmm. life than just uh than just you know kind of going through the motions on a daily basis Man, I, I tell you what, I, I, that's so powerful because it's not just a means of income, but it's also, you really, you're helping people connect to yeah. things that are more valuable and meaningful. And, and really what's more around a wedding. I mean, that is such a ceremony. Yeah. Um, and then to be able to have that extra level of, it's not just gold. It's, it's more than that. There's a story behind it. That's, that's excellent, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just like what I, what we just experienced naturally when I saw the bow and arrow and I thought, oh man, that's awesome. And then I got to learn something about you. Same thing happens when you get a ring or you're wearing a wolf and iron t-shirt or you're doing something yeah. where people say, that's cool. Tell me more about that. And you get a chance not to just talk about a brand, but to say something about yourself, something that matters to you, something mm -hmm. that you believe in. And now you've made a connection with somebody. You've, you've gone several steps deeper than most people will go on a daily basis. And I think that's awesome. I, I love anything that triggers that is very cool. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about your your latest book uh, called Tending the Fire. And it just released. And uh, I'm really, really excited to talk to you about a couple points in this book. Sure. Uh, well, we'll get into it. But but uh, first off, it, as there's always a story, uh, this book took a little while to write, right? <clears throat> it did. It did. It. Uh, so essentially, Wolf and Iron kicked off about maybe seven and a half years ago. And it was just a blog at the time. And I was really, really passionate as I am now, but I was really passionate about this journey that I was kind of beginning to realize that other men needed to be on as well to help help us become better men. And uh, so I was writing the blog and I thought there's more that I want to say. And I thought I'll put it in a book and this, this kind of tending the fire uh, notion came about. And so the book actually started about six years ago. And um, I wrote another book in between then we started the rustic and main business. So a lot of things have happened, kids have grown up, you know, and um, a lot of things have happened over the years. And uh, at, at, the, at the same time, there were there were things and principles in the book that I wanted to write about that I that I wasn't 100% sure like how I wanted to, to, to say that or even if I was um, had become 
had reached a point in my life as a man where I felt like I could tell other people about it. Yeah. You know, and so there was there was a little bit of like I needed to have some personal authority in some of these areas. And uh, and then along with the life changes and stuff like that, I just kept pushing it off. So um, over the years, I'd write a little bit here and there, a little bit, a little bit, have other ideas and things that would come together. And then this last year, I actually said, you know, I want to just get this thing finished up and get it out there. Guys need it. And there's been so many in those last six years, there's, there's there's been so many changes mm-hmm. in the in the landscape about like what it means to be a male, what it means to be a female, much less what it means to be a man or a woman. And, uh, and all that kind of like, this needs to get out. This is, uh, this can't wait any longer. And I need to, I need to get it wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I, I, I thought I was clever when I was young and I used to say in my twenties, the wisdom of age cannot be rushed. I thought I was yeah. so clever. And then when you have to actually wait to yep. get that wisdom over many, many years, and then you have the authority to be able to speak to things cause you know, them and you've lived them. Yep. It's, it's not just clever. It's, it's, it's true, but, but yeah. You know, it's really the living that allows you to have the authority, right? The living yeah. and the decisions and the things you made. And, and I think that's what I love about, uh, you know, listening, listening to you through the years in your show is, you know, you, you've kind of integrated ex- your personal experiences and your life and you kind of share people along the journey. And if people walk with you long enough, yeah. you're gaining wisdom as you're gaining wisdom. And sure. uh, yes. it's just so powerful. And yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot of times it's it's great to have a peer in your life that's a few steps ahead of you in yeah. some area that you want to be in, whether that's business or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be the ultra successful, done it all entrepreneur. They just need to be the guy that knows the next couple of steps and to help you out, you know, and that's a lot of times is what we're looking for. And that's where I consider myself a lot of times as a man, I'm just, I'm going on this journey. I'm growing as a father still, even though my boys are older, I'm growing as a husband, I'm learning more about myself and just bringing people along for that ride and having those conversations that we don't get a chance to have as, as often as we'd like. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let's get into some of the meat of your book. So I want to start with one of the main, um, uh, you had a, I think like five points uh, that you highlight about masculinity and manliness. And one of them was living deliberately. Sure. And uh, specifically there was a quote that basically said uh, in the book, you said fear uh, is at the core of a lot of unintentional living. Fear is at the core of a lot of unintentional living. What did you mean by that? Or can you expand on that a little more? Yeah, fear is at the core of a lot of things that that we do unintentionally or the kind of man that we are unintentionally. You know, I might say, um, I want to be a, a, a better father, but I just get so angry when my kids do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Or I want to become uh, a self-employed guy or I want to start my own business, but you know, fill in the blank, or I want to, uh, you know, be a a better husband, but, you know, I just don't have time to pursue, or I want, you know, things that sound like excuses, and we boil them down, we kind of unwind it, what we get to is a core there, and that core is fear, and it's basically a fear of failure, usually for guys, it's a fear of saying, if I were to actually put my, my deepest desires out there, and I were to actually pursue them, and I failed, I would, that would crush me. I don't think I could handle that. Now, what happens in reality, that's the fear that we have. What happens in reality is that we do put our deep desires out there and we fail a little bit and then we learn and we get better. And then we fail a little bit and we learn and we get better. That's what happens in reality. That's what every entrepreneur does. None of us just hit it out of the park on day one. Uh, We do the same thing in our marriage. We fail a little bit in our marriage and then we learn from that and we get better. We fail a little bit in our parenting. We learn from that and we get better. 
Hmm. This is why grandparents are so awesome. <laughs> I think it's because yeah. they've done a lot of failing and learning and they've, they've kind of processed this stuff. Well, the same thing happens with our undeliberate and unintentional living. We basically coast along thinking um, entertainment is good enough. Uh, getting by is good enough. Just kind of being generally uh, distracted and mildly happy sometimes um, is good enough. If I were to put myself on this truly deliberate path where I'm living an adventurous life and I'm really seeking something great, something, something that uh, I would almost be afraid to talk about because it's so awesome, it inspires me so much or it matters so much to me, mm. whether that's being the kind of husband that, that you never saw in your life uh, or the kind of father you never saw in your life, the kind of entrepreneur you never saw, whatever it happens to be. Um, to be more fit, to run further, to do, to lift more, whatever it happens to be. If we were to really put that out there and be intentional about that, this great fear comes up of failure and it really just stops us. But we've got to evaluate that and go, what's really preventing me from moving forward? And most yeah. of the time it's some kind of, it's related to fear somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is higher. I love what you're, you're capturing something that I, that I know to be true. That is, it is riskier, more vulnerable to go and share your deepest heart's desire than yep. your greatest failures, in yep. my opinion, right? It's sort of like, look, that failure is past. I can talk about it, or at least I can share about it. And most people say, hey, that's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But the real vulnerable stuff and the real risky, like ballsy stuff is like, what do you dream about? And yep. it's like, that is, that is holy ground. That is, um, that's where hopes can get dashed, you know, dreams can get crushed. And that's where people are so worried to really voice, even to hear themselves say it, let alone say it to someone else. Actually, yeah. what I really want or dream of is this, you know, yeah. and, and that's the real risk area. And people don't yeah. see it that way sometimes. No. And, and a lot of us guys, we, we kind of fall into the trap of, um, how do I explain this? This is actually a part in the book that I took out. Um, there's a there's a the kind of a narrative that we fo follow, and that is the hero of stories most of the time is living somewhat unintentionally. They're the geek, they're the the nerd, they're the person who doesn't want whatever. All they want is something simple. Spider Man just wants to get a car. He just wants a girlfriend. He doesn't want all these powers. You know, whatever the case is. Okay. The villain is always the person who's intentionally pursuing something. They're the one that's pursuing the source of power. They want the thing. They, they're ambitious. And we've kind of flipped that so that I think in life, we expect life just to happen. If we're going to become the hero of our story, hmm. or we're going to be discovered. Uh, it's going to fall out of the sky. We're going to get struck by lightning. Something's going to happen and life is just going to kind of line up. Otherwise, if we're intentionally pursuing something that we aspire to, something that is pretty radical, even sometimes by other people's standards, then we're, we're somehow on the wrong side of things. And that's a, it's a, it's an odd dynamic that we see in stories. It kind of works. That's one of the things I love about Indiana Jones. He's like, he's like a professor, but he also is this archeologist. That's like a total badass. And he just goes and you know does awesome stuff. And he's the guy that's willing to sign up and do that. So when he's, you know, he's out there pursuing it to try to get it before the bad guy does, you know? And I, and I guess I say that is there's this intentional spirit that a lot of times we just don't even get shown, even in the stories that we read. And uh, and what ends up happening is we think that life is going, if life is going to work out, it's just going to happen. And that never, that almost never happens. It's, we're not going to get discovered. Nobody's going to come knocking on your door, asking you to become the next great, whatever you want to be. 
Yeah. You've got to actually be intentional about pursuing things. And even if that means starting with keeping your family together, writing a book, whatever it happens to be, uh, yeah. that's got to be intentional. Yeah, I, that's a very deep, that's a great insight. You know, I've never thought about that, but the the unintentional hero, the I really don't want, I, you know, I'm Buddhist in nature and want no desires, <laughs> right? You know, I yeah. have no desires. I just yeah. am. And then, you know, the universe, quote unquote, you know, you know, comes and smiles on this Buddhist and, and great things happen. You know, it's very yeah. LA. I'm sorry to <laughs> pigeonhole them, but well, whatever, sorry, you know no, what sorry. I mean? It's, no, it's I know just... what you mean. It's, it's <laughs> and all that, and really that kind of storyline, it's, it's a good one because it's, it's, uh, it probably flipped the hero script on its head back in the day. You know, because the heroes were the cowboys, they were the soldiers. Right, they were, yeah. You know, they were the very much the ambitious men. So when this narrative came out, it was like, ooh, that's a cool way to tell this story. It's very different, but right. it can still achieve a lot of the same things. This is, um, in, in some ways, uh, well, it, you know, but we've we've just kind of that's become the it's mass. It's gone too far. I yeah, think the thing far. that I'm so um, like you're capturing so well is the the power of that I believe God's endowed endued with men to initiate mm -hmm. yeah. there's an initiation power with men and and that whole idea and i remember i was subject to it for so long because i i feared my motives so much yeah i just kind of wanted good to happen in my life without intentionally trying yeah uh and so i was sort of a uh a, a, a i was a neutral guy like I just was, I wasn't making forward progress, but I wasn't going backwards, but I was revving the engine and I was making noise, but I was doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. And, and, and that, and what you're capturing there is like, look, there is a requirement of you. If there's good to be had in the world, or you have something that God has given you to offer to the world, there's an intentionality required that yeah. even faith communities teaches this sort of like, you know, David was just minding his own business. I mean, it fits that story, right? King David, sure, yeah. he's minding his own business. Why don't you just mind your own business? And if God and the universe wants something to happen, it will happen. Otherwise, you're the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's, it's totally that. And it's, you know, that's it's a it's a false sense of humility. It, uh, it basically yeah. leads to abdication of responsibility to put the world in order. You know, you and I, we see broken things all around us. Mm. And we're kind of going, well, I guess... If somehow I get called to the front lines to fix the crap out there, then I guess I'll do it. But until then, I'll just stand back. No, that's not the right way to think about it. We've got to say, how do I how do I get intentional about how I live my life on a daily basis? How do I pursue something deliberately? And it's scary because it means that you you actually desire something greater than yourself, greater than you are today. Mm -hmm. And there's always a chance, a very good chance that we will let ourselves down in that pursuit. And then that, that fear begins to talk, you know. You just got to say, look, it's okay. The only way I'm going to progress is through failure. I'm going to get out there, put myself out there, fail a little bit, learn from that, just treat it like an experiment and just keep be deliberately moving forward. Mm -hmm. Define who you want to be, decide who, what that vision of yourself, you know, and that you believe God has put on your heart. What are the things you're supposed to accomplish and do in this world? And, uh, and then get focused and get busy. Yeah, I think that I think of the scripture, right? Uh, it's somewhere in the Gospels, and it says, "Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be fed, or mm -hmm. shall be fed." Um, and um, you know that hunger and thirst drives action. Yeah. Right. And and I've seen hungry men 
who are consuming books, consuming podcasts, consuming scripture, consuming, trying to expand their world from, I know this, but I feel like I could do this or I'm called to this and I have to fill in the gap with something, older yeah. men or, or somebody a couple steps ahead of me, whatever. But that passivity that we're kind of like hitting on right now, you know, keeps a man like they're content with entertainment. Like sure. they're just, just kind of mindless. Nothing. I'm not saying mindless entertainment is evil, but if all you are is entertainment, right. Yeah. And all you consume and all, all your, all your life is about is leisure. Then you're probably not too much of an action, man. You're probably more of a, you're just kind of just going along guy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I think it, I used to be this, I mean, I, when I, when I got out of, um, so I was raised in the country kind of, as I said, and I, um, me having a job as a, as a software developer, which I did for a number of years, making six figures, that was like, I could have called that like the pinnacle. I could have said, I make more money than anybody in my family has ever made. I'm more successful doing this particular role than anybody that I know, or, you know, in my growing up, I've, I've, I've over, um, I've, I'm beyond the expectations that I probably had for myself when I was younger. This is good. I'm living the life. I've got an easy, cushy job, you know, but I had to come to terms with like, I just didn't feel right inside. I, I would sit in my cube and I would write code and I would do some stuff and I would just be like, there's got to be more to life than this. Like, I, I feel called to something else. And for a period of time, there was this really uncomfortable realization that what I had achieved wasn't providing for a certain kind of happiness that I longed for. And that uncomfortableness it's it's almost like a mixture of disappointment, but then also this energy to kind of do something else. Mm. I think we've got to get there because I think that when we when we voice our desires and what we want to do, as radical as it may seem, given where we are in life, uh, if we don't put that on the table, we're not going to be inspired and we're not going to be uncomfortable enough to make some changes. When I was when we were starting up Rustic in Maine, people tell me this now. They didn't say it at the time. But I told him, I was like, I'm going to make, I got this idea where, I, where I'm going to make wooden rings like in my garage and I want to sell them. And they're looking at me like, you write software, you got six figures, you, you, you're going to make wooden circles in your garage and sell these online. And that's your big, that's your big idea, Mike. And they, they just didn't think that was, and now we're a multi-million dollar company. And it's like, well, yeah, that actually does work. But it was kind of, it was something that I had to get, like, I wrap my mind around this. I believe in it enough to move forward on it. Even if other people think it's kind of crazy, you know, I've got to trust in myself and be uncomfortable enough in my day to day in order to, to want to move and change. And yeah. So, you know, get and I think that like uh, I get the image of like this, a spark plug in a car. Like sometimes we need like hearing stories like yours and others that frustrate the heck out of guys. Oh, yeah. Because they have the same feeling. They yeah. know exactly what that feels like. But yet you're you're on the other side of that. Sure. I mean, you're in process. We're all in process. But yeah. from being stuck to kind of pushing through to things that you could potentially have realized, it frustrates people. It honestly, as a podcaster, I've met so many people that frustrate me. And it's all <laughs> and it's all like me, you know? It's yeah. just like, ah, oh, you know, it's just like it's great. I'm expanding yeah. my world, but I'm also creating this cognitive dissonance in my life. You know, yeah. saying, am I really, you know, going after it for real? Yeah. So, yeah, no, well done. <laughs> no. I, think, I think we all get that because there's always somebody at whatever level and you're like, wow, how did they, how did they achieve that? How did they, 
Yeah. They wrote four books this year. What? <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's always somebody out there just crushing it. And those people are just inspirational, really. I mean, they're just showing you what's possible. And, and uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's always cool, man. I, I think we've got to have that, um, you know, a, a, it's not jealousy. Sometimes it feels a little bit like jealousy, but a lot of times it's really just like, wow, that's really possible. I could, I could do that, you know? And when she realized like, oh, I could, like, I remember when we first, when we made, when Rustic and Main hit a million dollars, it was like a, a, a light bulb moment, you know, like, wait a second, this is the number that I used to associate with like Ed McMahon and like the sweepstakes. You could only accidentally get this much money when you grew right. up the way I did. It just didn't happen. That's and nice. here we are, we hit it in our, like our second year. And I was just like, well, then what else have I been you know, thinking oh, wrong gosh. my whole life. <laughs> like what else is just like totally possible, but I just have it in some other category, you know? And oh, I think there's moments like that where you're like, oh, I, well, if I could do this, then, you know, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, it kind of the, that light bulb comes on a little switch flips and you're kind of like, all right, I get that. You know? Yeah. I try to teach my kids. I said, uh, whatever it is, you need to always follow it up with why not me? Exactly. Meaning, you know, it's like, you always can put things in categories and usually you categorize them to say, well, that's them. It's not yep. me. It's, it's them or they got that or that. And, it, and you, and I always try to teach them and I try to live myself. Why not? Why not doing this or that? I mean, somebody's doing it. Yep. I could be doing, if I want to do that, or that's what I feel like I'm somebody's doing it. And yep. yeah, so that's so good. So I want to, I want to jump to, uh, living courageously, which we've been right. talking about. <laughs> yeah. And but I want to. Uh, there's a quote in your book that I, I I'm just going to read, and I just want to have you respond to it. it said okay. we must make it a regular habit to step into situations that we we would have formerly avoided. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We must do the things that both excite and intimidate us. For courage and confidence are found in both the rewarding of our God-given talents and passions, as well as overcoming our inadequacies. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've been talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's but the I thing. Mean, it all, it all flows together at the end of the day. I mean, a lot of it is, um, you know, we talk about being courageous. It takes some courage to say, I'm going to be that guy who's going to live deliberately. That's a type of courage. I call that first courage in yeah. the book. Um, but speaking to what you're, what you're saying, it, we've got a, this, this is not, you know, we've talked about like um, starting businesses and things like that, or podcasting, or writing books, whatever. There's all kinds of different ways that we can test ourselves. Most of the time, our battle is actually, uh, you know, my wife just said something. I didn't quite like how I, she said it or how I received it, but I'm afraid if I talk about it, then it's just going to blow up and get worse. And we're going to be talking about it until midnight. That's, mm -hmm. that's a fear of our inadequacy to be able to have a conversation with somebody, you know, at a sane level or whatever the case, there's some kind of fear working there. That's a moment where you get a chance to say, Hey babe, you know, I, maybe I took this wrong. Maybe you said it wrong, but can we talk about this? Mm. You got to step into that moment. It doesn't feel right. It, it feels like everything inside you might be saying, I just want to leave it alone. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Of course you got people on the other side of that, but I think there's all kinds of those things. You've got to do it. Um, when your boss is basically saying, I need you guys to pull, you know, an all nighter every day this week because the client has some new expectations and we've got to get this thing done. And you've already been working your tail off. Somebody's got to raise their hand and say, boss, you know, this is unrealistic. 
this is not this is not good practice. You know, you're going to lose a lot of your guys. Somebody's got to stand up and step into that gap. When mm. you know the thing that's going through your mind, that little quick little, um, I ought to say, oh, but no, almost everybody else wants to say it as well. Most people won't do it. And there's so many of those moments where we just got to step into it. And so you get used to it, little moments, having those conversations with your kids, having those conversations with your wife, having, you know, whatever the case is. And, uh, and stepping out little by little, you teach yourself courage. You teach yourself that what seems like an inadequacy, it's not a permanent thing. It just means that there's some area that I've just, I don't feel adequate in that I can become completely adequate in, actually become stellar in if I would just be willing to, you know, uh, to put myself out there and try. Yeah. And I think that God really helps fill that gap in the mm-hmm. sense, in this way, um, when you feel inadequate and you are like, I don't, you know, cause what that I'll translate at least how I hear it is basically, okay. I don't know how this is going to end up in the white the yeah. conversation with wife's perfect example. It's like, it could go these, <laughs> all these different directions and I don't have an answer for the seven directions that could go in. Therefore, it is a complete risk. Uh, yeah. And I'd rather just not go down that road. Um, yeah. And so, um, but God is, it's like, we have to be courageous. We have to take initiative. We, it, you can be gracious and loving and you don't have to do it in anger, but you have to engage. But God's there being like, look, if you, if you understand life is training, Versus, yeah. oh, God, this circumstances sucks, and I wish it didn't exist, and I could avoid it. Yeah. But actually, as no, God's trying to expand your masculinity. God's trying to expand your capacity. God's trying to expand your compassion or your understanding or whatever. You don't do any of those. You don't go through any of those. You don't get any of those rewards with the, without going through the door of some risk yeah. where you don't know the outcome. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to move in that. And you become... The thing is, as you take risk, you become more associated with like, I'm the risk taking guy. I'm the guy who speaks up, even though I might sound stupid. I'm the guy who says what's on his mind. I'm the guy who, you know, has those conversations with his wife or tries to draw people out or whatever the case is. You become just better at that naturally over time because it feels, it feels good to to test ourselves, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, there's, there's different ways we can look at it. We can look at it as in, I don't want to have these kind of conversations with my wife as an example, but the, the good manly way to look at it is I'm going to become the best conversationalist with my wife. I'm going to learn how to draw her out so well. She's going to be so thankful when I say, Hey babe, can we talk about this? Cause she's going to know like, wow, he's like, we we're actually closer now that this has happened or whatever the case is. You know, we see it as a challenge to actually grow as men and to step into the, you know, into that arena and to get better at it. So that, you know, five, 10 years from now, like we, we got this, we got this licked. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that. Um, I love that analogy because so many men categorize growing balls in one category. Oh, yeah. if it's I'm lifting weights or I'm being an entrepreneur or I'm making money. And then when it starts talking about these <laughs> very, very uh, areas of, of marriage and things like that, 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 you know, men are like, I, you know, God help me. Yeah. Look, you can really grow in that area. You could really grow. So, I mean, hundred percent great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So look, um, so if people want to follow up and kind of learn more about you and, and, um, you know, just kind of see more about what, what you're about, uh, where should they go? 
Uh, wolfandiron.com is the best place. Uh, you can find out about Rustic and Maine on there. You can follow me on Instagram, on the gram, uh, for as long as that's still around for us guys. Yeah, uh, really. Conservative, traditionalist, whatever. Um, so I'm out there. Wolfandiron.com is great. Um, Rusticandmain.com if you if you want to find out about the rings. But either way, uh, just uh, probably wolfandiron.com. You can see the book out there and everything else. So yeah, yeah. Well, well, I've read through it, and guys, you got to get a pick up a copy. It is, um, I I love. Uh, I didn't show it share in your bio, but you really have this uh, deep deep appreciation for sort of the um, it's not ancient ways, but more traditional masculine ways. <laughs> you know, uh, kind of the 1910 to 1940, you know, range uh, of thought leaders. And and you pull out a lot of that, those gems for guys in your book. And I really, you know, that's like really cool. Thanks, man. I I appreciate that. I I really do enjoy, there's an era of masculinity when it was really hailed as something good, you know, and, uh, and where men were socially basically uh, thought like, you know, expected to grow into manhood and become better men. And I think, um, you know, Theodore Roosevelt obviously is, is a big figure that comes to mind, but there's so many others, uh, just our, even our old presidents that we used to have and um, just leaders of all kinds. Um, and, and I love just hearing how they talked because it was almost, they talked as if it was a normal everyday expectation to live yeah. life as a man. And, um, and, I, and I think that that was so good, um, you know, honor and, you know, duty and dignity and all those kinds of things, stuff, words we almost don't even use these days. Uh, they just used on the regular. And so I love, I love to go back to those. Yeah. It's a rediscovery and I, and you're championing that rediscovery, you know, uh, just man, we need it more than ever now. That's for sure. Yeah. I appreciate so, it. Man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, Mike. It's been amazing. Yeah, Troy, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I know we'll get a chance to do this again. So we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes, that would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.